0: Podcast
1: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Have you been listening? Do you know what sport we're actually playing?
0: You... Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> I was number nine. Don't be point me down at number eleven. Back in the day, I defeated Dwayne the Rock Johnson twice.
2: The Paralympics almost has more power than the Olympics ever will be.
1: I'm not really a fun kind of guy. Doesn't really like people. Come on then, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic teenagers who interview some of the biggest names within the world of sport. From world champions, World Cup winners, international athletes, Ryder Cup golfers, Ashes heroes and many other sportsmen and women, we delve deep into their sporting career, the highs and the lows and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. That's enough for me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, Tom and Avtar, who host the podcast, and I'll let them introduce today's guest. See you later.
2: The TWS Sports Podcast is hosted by autistic pupils from Technowood School in the UK. Our school is for autistic children and young adults, and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills while interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. Join us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a former jockey and trainer. He is eight-time champion jockey. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Scudamore.
3: Really looking forward to it. I hope you've got some really difficult questions that I can't answer.
2: So we'd like to start our podcast off with some quick fire questions.
3: Are you ready? I'm ready. Best Achievement.
0: Achievement outside of sports.
3: I once called out Brian Lara in a cricket match.
0: One regret in your life.
3: One regret in your life. I don't have no regrets. regret rien, rien, power or something. I have no regrets. I am a young man. I. It's all in front of me.
2: Who is the most famous person in your phone book?
3: Uh, well, better than that, the most famous person I've ever met was the singer from ABBA. Who are the two singers from ABBA? Not the blonde one, the dark haired one. She's I've got a picture of her with me on the on the phone now. That that beats anybody, doesn't it? Isn't that the most famous person you've ever heard of? Like mm, Abba I, I, I know, Abba, I'm, I'm not,
2: I don't know the name of the
0: members, but no. I've heard
3: the songs.
0: Oh, I've not heard of it.
3: Yeah, well, she's she, never
0: heard of ABBA.
2: She, no,
3: yeah, that must have done, what's the films? Mamma Mia and go. Dan- oh, yeah, and
2: dancing yeah. queen. Dancing I heard Queen, Mia, Mamma that film. Mia. Anyway,
3: I heard
0: that. That's the woman
3: a- from the, and she's the nicest person you ever ever met. You should organise a podcast with her. I'll get it organized for you.
2: Oh, I'd love it. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why?
3: Um I'd love to be two things, right? I'd like to be six foot six tall, and be able to bowl like Michael Holding, and be terrifying on <laughs> cricket pitch. Or, or, if I couldn't do like that, do that. I'd like to swap with Rory for the golf. I love the golf. I mean, I love it. Or uh, Bryson DeChambeau rather than Rory. I'd like it, Bill. It they've golf for 300 yards, 330 yards,
1: yeah. Um, so you're obviously a cricket fan, then Peter. What I love the cricket. What are your love predictions the for the Ashes this year?
3: I think we get hammered absolutely hammered. Yeah.
2: I mean. <laughs> Growing up as a child, did you always want to be a jockey and how did you get into horse racing in the first place?
3: Well, I was very privileged, I was born up. A- Brought up not far from you in uh, Herefordshire, Hereford, which was about an hour and a way. I know, I know the way to Wolverhampton from Hereford very well. And because um, there used to be um, very good jumps track at race course at Wolverhampton, it's just flat racing now. But so uh, I was brought up in a rural community and uh, as living in Hereford, you didn't, you know, there's no football team, no cricket team really. And uh, you just rode horses. So um, I was brought up riding horses was your probably brought up studying hard at school. I, I never studied hard at school. I was too stupid. I had to be a jockey.
2: Your dad was a jockey and he won the grand national in 1959 on Oxo. You were only a baby when then, but do you remember much about your dad's career?
3: You know, it's funny. To, to answer that question, um, I'm 63 now and I'm sure Adam will, uh, probably remember things like this the world through 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 this telephone you know through the telephone through social media is such a small place now but when i was growing up you know the, the world was a small place so herefordshire you didn't see a lot outside herefordshire so um you know i went to school in hereford and uh, so we i didn't really you know we might see the news at six o'clock or something so that would take us outside the world but we only the world that I was brought up in, but we'd only see what the BBC wanted us to see. So what I'm trying to say is, my dad was a hero to rural uh, people, to because, yeah, as I said, not a lot happened in Hereford when I was uh, uh, growing up, and so um wherever I went, my dad was a father was a local hero because he'd done some he'd he'd uh, won a Grand National, which in those days and still is to a, to a certain extent is a is a iconic race to to the, to the British people.
0: Um, what was it like in your first words in nineteen
3: seventy eight? It's funny how the mind works. Um, I I'd done nothing else but ride horses all my life, as they say. But once you're, I don't know what you are. Somebody playing the first test match, their first uh, rugby or cricket, or playing in their first senior football match. Um, you know, it, it just. The, it's very hard concept for the mind to take in. And I, you know, the race was over before I could, um, think properly. And, and I remember you, know, you'd think horse racing is fairly, uh, easy uh, on a fitness thing. But I remember when I got off the horse after I finished riding, my legs collapsed and it was almost as if I hadn't learned to breathe properly. Uh, the nerves, everything came in, uh, to you. So, so it's, it takes hundreds of races. I have a lot of uh, apprentices here, and I'm trying to teach them to ride properly. And I know, in any sport, the mind is as important as the physical side. And I'm and I'm trying to tell them, you know, don't get too wound up. Your first ride takes hundreds of rides to your mind is strong enough and to have an awareness of what is going around you. Know, all the great sportsmen, I believe, have a have almost have a peripheral vision of what they see um on a football pitch or on a cricket pitch or in a horse race whereas when you're first doing it you don't have that you have tunnel vision and you you don't think take things in properly so it takes a lot of practice to 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 get that uh, peripheral vision
2: there is different types of horse racing such as hunt and flat why did you choose to do hunt racing
3: well, it, it's we call it steeplechasing, national hunt racing. It's, it's steeplechasing. So why I'm riding bigger horses than the flat race people. The flat race boys, um, Frankie Dettori, if you've probably heard of him, he's probably the most famous jockey in the world. His body weight is about eight stone four. Can you remember when you were eight stone four, eight stone five? You would have been seven or eight years of age. I'm the same. I was, it, it's a weight thing. So the, the, the flat race is the most famous flat race is the Derby. And the horses carry nine stone in that race. So when you're ca- when a horse has nine stone on his back, that includes the saddle. So you have to get your body weight down to about eight stone, seven, to, to be able to ride at nine stone. I couldn't do that. I was always much bigger. I was about 10 stone. So I used to have to diet very hard to keep my weight down to below 10 stone. So I couldn't ride on the flat. I was too heavy because we're riding bigger and heavy horses the best way of looking at things from your point of view if you don't understand horse racing is look at the cycling the cyclists they get their weights right down because if you're a pound too heavy going up some hill in france in the tour de france that costs you 20 meters or something same in horse racing you keep your weight because these poor horses have to carry our weight the lighter you are the faster you go same as same as cycling if you cycling that the dietitian, the dieting and the and the weight to speed ratio is, is fascinating i didn't like cycling for a long time but when i looked at that i began to understand it and it's fascinating
2: you were a jockey for trainer martin pipe yeah and were very successful together what was he like as a trainer
3: he was an extraordinary man at, I often think i remember Adam in the background there. One of my great heroes is a chap called Neil Jenkins, who was uh, one of the Welsh great, uh, one of the great Welsh people, and now he's coaching Wales. And he came up to me one day and said, "Jockeys aren't sportsmen, and to an extent, we are no different to motor racing drivers or darts players or snooker players because um, the athleticism, if you like, is um, there with it's the horse that's that." That um, carries you. So, but it's again what I've, I've um, alluded to. It's it, it's it's the mental side that that sets you at, across. And so Martin Pipe as a trainer, um, I think he would have been successful as a football manager, a rugby manager. He was just very very professional, very disciplined. Um, and I think whatever you want to do in life, I think it's it's the the discipline um and your determination I, I read a great quote the other day um which i love and you're always trying to learn you're always trying to get better that somebody said there's no such thing as genius there's just somebody who doesn't try you know so if you have a talent for anything and you set your mind on it you can you can achieve it and are that's there and is my lesson
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um you were champion jockey eight times that is a great achievement
3: yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, look—you can't look back. You—I you, mean, I'm sure you speak to the old, speaking to the other sports when you learn. You can't look back. Um, I just have to be very, very grateful that the opportunity came my way. If if, if I feel any um, feel any uh, sort of pride in what I did, it's, 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 it's like I I did grasp the opportunity I have. I mean, you'll get opportunities in life. Don't let them pass you by. You know, they'll come back by again. So, uh, you know. Um, I, I was lucky to be, to grab that opportunity. Yeah,
2: one race you didn't win was the Grand National. Were you ever close to winning it? And is it a regret a regret that you didn't win it?
3: Uh, I'm not bitter at all. I'm going to end this um, <laughs> iPod thing now. Why did you ask that? Uh, <laughs> no, I, no. Um, my father won it, as you said in 1959. It was it was one of the lifetime ambitions to uh, to win it. Um, it just didn't happen um so since i've finished uh yeah i get that asked that question all the time so I'm, I'm 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 laughing um but since i've retired um I, i've trained with my partner lucinda russell here and we trained a horse called one for arthur to, to win the grand national so uh that was really uh ticking that off in in, in my mind so it's like not winning the fa cup as a football ma- uh, player but winning it as a manager you know
2: what makes the grand national so special is it your fav? is it your favorite race
3: well i've more or less said that as well I, um it's we're in a funny sport we're in a bubble that is it's very important to a very very small um part of the population and you know it's in the newspapers every day you probably won't look at it but if you look at your newspaper you look at the back in the sports page after football the rugby the cricket there will be a bit with all the runners so we're in the newspapers every day It used to be very much part of the um british psyche horse racing it is i remember um walking into a bar one day and somebody came up to me and said oh hello i was you i you know really fun you know really remember you riding your genius you know and i said who are you i'm mick jaggers brother you know you know my dad i remember we used to bet on horses yeah. you know it was that part to people of um that generation horse racing was a was it was a fantastic thing but now the world's moved on but the the national still remains as an an iconic uh an event i think and the fence you know it's different it's it's 40 runs i suppose the two much most famous races in the world are the grand national and, and and there's a flat race in mel in australia called the melbourne cup if you go to australia it's just been about four or ten days ago if you go to australia which hopefully one day you'll go across you um they're mad on gambling they, you know they gamble on everything and the melbourne cup is a it is it, a real it's a race like the grand national it stops, stops the nation until you have been it and experience it, it it's hard to fathom you know but it, it's all about gambling i mean you you can then have your um opinion on whether gambling's good or bad i mean um but you take a few, you know, you, you take a few chances in life anyway, and, and that's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? You know, so, um, you know, we're, we're life is a gamble, so I I, I think it's there's no harm in having a gamble as if you know, I don't know, whatever you do in your hobby of your life, you have a few quid on the horse instead of, I don't know, buying a meal at night, you know. So, you know, so some people it's, it's a mathematical problem too, and um, they enjoy enjoy following it. Then some people bet the football, some people, you know. But the cricket. I mean, if you study gambling, it's, it, it's. You, as I say, you can be very anti it, but it, it's there. And and since the internet, it, it's become a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, it's it's absolutely extraordinary. I, I have a friend of mine who's who's um, again not far from you. I mean, he he saw the internet, and he saw that this was going to be change the world. As gambling is. Consider he, and he has it's quite extraordinary what it's done. But um, you're too young to be able to gamble yet. But it'll it'll hit you one day.
0: In your option, how do either do you the introduction introduction of online better change um, horse searching? But
1: well, in your opinion, how did the introduction of online betting change horse
3: racing? Oh. When I was when I was a young man, you know, I talked about that thing of meeting uh, Jagger's brother and, and you know, e- even to them, I knew, you know, when you go back in, in, in time, um, horse racing was a, the only means of gambling to, to, to the vast percentage of the population. So 70% of perhaps of the, of the gambling was on horse racing. So we were a. Uh, major if you understand a pie chart we were a major part of the gambling of a of a small pie chart since the internet revolution the the pie chart you understand the circle the pie chart has become massive it's worldwide i mean the the the, the astronomic sums involved in gambling whether it's football. I mean cricket. I would, which did you both like cricket? Do you follow the cricket at all? Yeah, yeah. I followed
0: the cricket. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, 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 but you, you know, you go to India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. The the gambling is is, is just enormous. So it is. say, so this pie chart now has gone from whatever five million people gambling in England is to to hundreds of millions of people gambling throughout throughout the world. So we horse racing is now a smaller part. Of a bigger chart. Do you understand that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, it, it's quite an extraordinary phenomenon. And Now, I I don't know whether that's you know, morally, you know, I, I can't say that's good or bad, but it's there, and it, it'll always be there. We've always, you know, we, people have gambled for, you know, played cards and casinos and <clears throat> uh, for, for, for for thousands and thousands of years. So it, it's it 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 it's part of the human psyche. So. Um, and whenever you try and if you go to parts of the world where they drive it stop it it's just driven underground um if you go to america parts of the world america you know it's driven underground but it's it's still there so um you know it it depends on your opinion of how you face the problems of the world um and and some people have a an addictive personality that that are are completely addicted to to it and, and ruin their lives and there's others that say have a, use it as an enjoyment and um, there's other people that, that, that make make a profit from it. It, 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 it. When you actually study it, it's a mathematical problem and uh, good mathematicians tend to be good back gamblers.
0: Do you have any funny story from your time as a, a jock, jockey?
3: <laughs> oh, God, that's a difficult one, isn't it? I'm not a funny person, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. The, the funniest sporting story, Adam, I remember him. Who was, was the comedian, Adam, who used to wear the red? And he was a magician as well. Who was that funny Tommy comedian? Before. Yeah. Tommy oh. Cooper. My best... I haven't got a funny story myself, jumping, but my favourite sporting story is Tommy C- Cooper is being presented to the Queen. And, uh, you know, the Queen always used to go to the FA Cup, you see. And so they're, they're going along the line and they told her he's not to speak to her. Anyway, she comes in front of him and he shakes her hand and he says to her, do you like football, Mom?" And she says, no. He says, well, can I have your tickets to the FA Cup? <laughs> <then?"> <laughs> Yeah, so that, those, those are, those are. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, it, it's hard for you if you don't understand horse racing. Um, I can tell stories, of, but are only funny to me and horse racing. But um, okay, let us talk to um, because you talk about humor and stuff. Um, the the, the the great thrill of me as being a sportsman, as much as anything, is meeting other sportsmen. And um, you know, you talk about Nasser Sain and people you've met, but you know, some of the one Of the nicest people I ever met, and you're too young to remember him, but you look him up, he was England's captain and he was um Liverpool captain. He was a chap called Evelyn Hughes, he loved his horse racing. And uh, he used to tell me stories about uh Bill Shankley, who was manager of um Liverpool when Liverpool were you know a good side now, but they were a great side in this in the 70s, and they were driven by this manager and his psychology to, to, to make his. Uh, Liverpool players feel better than um, anybody else, you know, and um, and and I, so I, you know, one of the stories that Emlyn told me, which I love, you know, about the psychology of sport, as I say, he's he used to, so Leeds United were a great side in in um, Emlyn's time, and um, so em, Emlyn said so they're waiting in the changing room, and Shankley used to always go and watch the the opposition side get off the bus and he came in and uh, having watched them come off the bus and Billy Bremner was their great player and he came in and he said I've just seen Billy Bremner come off the bus he's limping he's limping he's got an injury I don't know if he'll play I don't know if he'll play and then and then so you he said and then you'd go out the pitch thinking uh, Billy Bremner got an injury and you'd try really hard and you'd have a great game and then afterwards, you realise Billy Brennan hadn't got an injury at all. He just told you that <laughs> just as a psychology of making the play better. So I love, you know, the belief in yourself. So, so those are the those those are the that that's the privilege I think, as you say, which I tried to allude to before is that um, uh, the parallels in the psychology of sport, whether you're a darts player, or a footballer, a rugby. I think that the the belief in your brain is the important important thing.
2: The Henshaws Insurance Group is one of the top 100 independent insurance brokers in the country and is here to bring you peace and mind. We've been in business for over 50 years and have offices in Newport, Shrewsbury and Stafford. Our 45 plus strong team deals with both business and personal insurance and we offer a free, no obligation, consultations and quotations. So give us a call today. A lot of footballers enjoy horse racing and quite a few players own horses. Did you know any fo- many footballers and did you ride any of their horses?
3: I did. Well, I t- told you. So Emlyn was a great place. But um, one of the great men, I'm just telling a moral story now, one of the great men I, I met in my lifetime and I never really realised him was a Manchester United player called Lou Macari. And uh, Lou was a terrible better terrible and um he even had his own betting shop in the other, at one stage in his life and he would I think he was I can't remember who he was managed. he managed swindon the Adam at one stage he's managed quite he was a very very hard man and if you look him up now he he's in stoke and he sets up um pods for homeless people I, I, I find people like that who've used their celebrity uh, to a good purpose for the world quite fascinating so yes we played um yeah, poor old Peter Shilton, I see he's um, in the news lately because he lost his fortune gambling, you know. To, so I, I think to a lot of, again, this is another moral story, I think the trouble with the footballers for, for generations is that they've been handed a lot of money and a lot of time on their hands as well. And, and, and a lot of money and a lot of time on your hands um, doesn't always equal out for good things. And I think some of them have spent their money on them gambling side and, and and lost all they've had. Sometimes you don't respect what you've got. Um, but on the other hand, um you know, Michael Owen, he, he owns a very, very successful um racing stable. So it is good and bad. A lot of sportsmen throughout the world have um have got horses, you know I think it's because owning a horse again you means your parts even though you're old and you can't perform in a sport you want to Owning a horse, you can participate again at a level. So I think that's what, apart from the gambling, I think that's what attracts a lot of sportsmen to, to the game.
1: And I know the
3: the great Sir Alex Ferguson's into his horse racing. Have you ever? No, there are. Yeah. Have you ever had? I that met horse him, him. Yeah, I met him one day. I only get twice through horse racing. I mean, quite extraordinary. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I'm sure you feel it's the same. You, you you see people in the lights and the, and the um papers and you think, oh god, they're they're unapproachable. Um but I remember I, I had I was had the privilege of speaking in a box um at a place called Haydock, which is um outskirt of Manchester. And um so it was Sir Alex Ferguson's box. You got all the footballers there. And it's funny when you meet some of them, they were just ordinary people, you know, interested in football and you know that yet they just won the European Cup and were were the greatest football team in Europe at the time, so um, you know, some of them are arrogant and horrible, you know, but um, I, I had a great deal of time for Sir Alex, he was very uh, kind um, and, and, and helpful. I, 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 you probably find interviewing people that, you know, some of the second, you know, some people haven't got the time or the passion or the or trying to prove something, but I felt most top class sportsmen and i have met ha, ha, have a um humility about them the man i met and they say he was very nice but I, I i he'd gone he was a disappointing man to me it was george best but i mean that's drink and so but most people are, 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 are most accommodating if you give them the respect they deserve you know
2: is it more important to have a great horse or a great jockey so you so so can a great jockey make a bad horse run a good race?
3: The I don't know if you understand this. If you put ten horses, ten horses go down to start.
2: Okay.
0: One
3: is fast. Number eight is faster than all the rest. Okay, it takes a bad jockey to stop number eight winning. So if you do, you understand that?
2: Yeah, just about. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. So you it's a jockey you can muck it up muck it up. It's, you, you. so the, your mental attitude as a jockey when you go down there it, 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 you know I'm being a little bit talking down but it's the same as any sport you know if if you are the best cricketer and you go out and you think and you take the game for granted and you think oh well, I'll try some flashy shot or do something you know, you'll get out you know but if you concentrate and get it right, you you, the results come away so if you're on a horse it's the best horse in the race don't make mistakes and you will um you'll win I, i see if you understand this as i said talking about the mental side of it you know horse racing jockeys are different than any other sport because a footballer plays football on a wednesday a saturday a wednesday a saturday so he Plays Wednesday, probably has a gentle train on a Thursday, trains a bit harder on the Friday, plays on a Saturday, a bit of a rest on a Saturday. So they're not playing every day. And a, a jockey is um, performing every day, seven days a week. So the mental strain on performing seven days a week, well, they're not as well, they, they are fitter now, but I mean it. as I said, they're, they're not what you consider a great athlete. But the mental strain of performing every day is a different strain, different pressure than any other sport. So you have to hand a jockey respect for that. But the other thing through changing, through performing every day, you're changing next to a, a fellow jockey every day. So you become very close friends with these jockeys. Your closest friends are also... Your deadliest enemies. Um, so you get to understand their problems. You get, you know, the, the girlfriend's just left him. The kids are, the car's broken down. Some jockeys, you know, and you, you're talking to them all the time. And I remember seeing one mate of mine, and I said to him, "How are you going?" And his name was, he was a Welshman. I said, "How are you going?" you'll always said, "I'm a bad time." You know, the missus is giving me hell. The car's broken down, and I got no money, and I haven't ridden the winner for three weeks. And then when you're, so during the race. I'm 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 following it, I and mean, I know all the mental all his mental thoughts are negative, so that gives me positive um, thoughts. So you, so sometimes you could a, a jockey can talk himself out of winning through having a, a, a negative vibes if, if if you get that. So you you remain. So when you got down to start, you have to have great belief belief you can do it. belief, belief that the the horse that's faster than you is going to. Do something wrong, or he's not going to turn up his best. So again, what I said to you about being champion jockey. So if something comes your way, you take that opportunity. So that's that was my mental attitude when I got down the start.
2: There is a lot of money and betting in horse racing, and money can make people do bad things. Have you ever known anyone to attempt to cheat or bend the system in the racing business?
3: Look, horse racing is no different to any other um, walk of life. Um, And enough money will change any, you know, a bribe. You know, if I come to you and said, do something stupid for a million pounds, you'd think about it, wouldn't you? Um, Because it's just a way of life. So, yes, there is, you know, I've I've seen people go wrong for for money. Um, But the strange thing to me, And I'm sounding some saintly, and I wasn't. I didn't do it for the money. I I did it for the love of it. And I think most sportsmen, whether it's cricket, football, most sportsmen set off for the attitude. They do the sport because they love it. Now, I think some people get complications in their lives, or they get greedy, probably, or they're not achieving what they want to achieve. Then they become open to bribery and, and, and corruption. So um, whether it's cricket, Hansi Cronje, you know what? If you, you, you're too young to remember. There was a great South African cricket called Hansi Cronje, and they started betting on no balls and um, match fixing. You know, I mean, I think you've got you were the you were the god of South African cricket, and, and you 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 threw it all away. You threw your reputation away for for. You know, a few pieces of silver. So, look, it, it happens in yeah. I don't know about football. If you see it? I, I don't know. I'm a big British football, but I've seen it. You know, the Italian football. I've seen it happen. So it happens. Tennis. They would. They've seen the betting on the points. So where there's money involved, there is the 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 temptation to go crooked. Uh, it happens in racing, but my my absolute belief is is it, that it's um, sort of not the norm uh, and um, you know my because I was stupid all I ever wanted to do was ride winners so I always tried hard
0: what is the best horse you have any been ever been well, on
1: then, so what is the best
3: horse you've ever been on <laughs> right uh, see the game life's not I, it's not a that is sounds a simple question it's not to, to, to be the best you know, as so I go back, I said that statement for you know, it's, it's, there's no such thing as genius. It's just a man that doesn't try. And another, that there's another statement I love. Together, a horse and rider will achieve something that neither can uh, achieve alone. So the great thing about horse racing was it was a partnership. It was a partnership between you and the horse. And together you would. So, so what I'm trying to get around to is, the most successful horse, the most favourite horse of all time, and I, oh, I try not—I'm an emotional person. I try not to cry when I think about it. it. Was a horse called Saban de Loire. He, he was a horse, and together we achieved things. He wasn't—he was a good horse, but his heart and his and his willingness to win lifted him to a great horse. Um, and then, and you know, if I said to Saban, you know, you, you said is the wrong to but you're urging him your trying to convey messages to him through the your riding technique you know come on sabin we're gonna um gallop through that brick wall you know, you know sabin would turn around to you and say how big's the brick wall you know he he he's just he was just one of those horses and, and, and therefore sabin de loire was my favorite and the best horse I ever rode because his um strength and his uh determination lifted him above the average. And and whilst you sit there, I tell Adam speak to Adam Arthur one day I'd love to take you three of you to Chelton. And um you see it, it look there's so much wrong with horse racing. So much wrong with life. Um, but horse racing you the reason it appeals to a lot of people is because the horses have the good horses, you no, know, some all the horses have characteristics that I think that we look up to in humanity. And um, yeah, if you'd ever get to the Cheltenham Festival in March, and I'll try and get you some tickets if you, Adam, and I'll do it. You go in there, and you think it's stupid. There's drink, there's gambling, and there's something. But people stop and they look and they admire these horses for, for, for as I say, for having the bravery. And the tenacity that, that 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 we I think that we find appealing in humanity. Whereas other, you know, you know, and I'm sure that's why rugby stands over football sometimes. You know, football is fantastic and, and, and you know that you know if you've got the talent of Ronaldo or whatever, unbelievable. But the rugby players, you know, Alan Wynne Jones stands up. I mean he's got cauliflower ears, he doesn't run very well, but if he if he gets hurt, you know, somebody says you've dislocated his shoulder, he says it'll be back in three weeks, and away he goes again. And I think that's <laughs> that, that. That's that's what we <laughs> did. You hear that? Did you hear the saying when they were, uh, you know, Alan wynne Jones got hurt uh, before the Lions tour? And then somebody said, um, What is that? What has Superman got on his pajamas? Alan Win Jones. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah, the, the, so, so those are the, uh, it's been a bit emotional, a bit romantic, but that's, that, that's that's what we, we um, look to in the horses and I know I've got a dog lay here but so I you know, um you know I think there's a lot of animals but a lot of humans to shame
2: please go and follow us on social media on our Facebook group we will be hosting a regular sports quiz give you updates about our podcast and even have prize giveaways just search TWS Sports Podcast on Facebook Instagram and Twitter to follow us thank you Lots of people do not like horse racing and see it as cruel to cruel to the horse. Lots of horses are killed taking part in this sport. What would you say to those people and what is your opinion?
3: Right. I thoroughly respect their opinion. It is cruel. Life's cruel. I would say... Horse racing saves more horses than it kills. If a horse is in the field, the horse is in the wild, gets injured, not now, but in the wild, wherever they were, I think the lion comes and eats them, right? Mm-hmm. If it's hurt now, the, the, the biggest moral question that I have, especially now with COVID about, if I've got an illness, or you or you, or somebody getting ill, how long does it take to see a doctor? A um, oh, while. A oh, while. Few days, you know, if my horse is injured, my horse has got a cut, a, a thing, I will have a vet in the yard within half an hour, you know. So, the moral question for me about horse racing is the amount of money spent in gambling, the amount of money spent on buying the horses when it could be put into housing and millions of other things to keep things going, but the. The third moral question to it is the horse is better looked after than most humans. And that is a thing we have to look at. So, of course, horses die, you know, and and, and they you, you will either, you know, cut down the breeding of them and then they'll die in the field. Because you know, the reality of life is, you know, the farmer has a sheep, right? Yeah. I don't know what a sheep's worth. It's, it's worth 50 quid. So if it's going to, if it's ill and it costs 55 quid to get it better, the farmer ain't going to pay that. It's just a reality of life. He would go broke if he did that. So if my horse, my horse is worth so much money that I pay a fortune for the... And I love the stupid thing, which is also stupid. I pay a fortune to have it looked after, the same as your dogs. I don't know if you keep cats and dogs, your mums and dads and stuff. You know, they love the dog. They pay hundreds of pounds to, to get the thing meant. So... You know, I, as I say, go back, I understand when people have come for it. Yeah, it's cruel, it's hard. Life's cruel and hard. Let's let's look at the reality of it though. I think it saves more horses than it does um kill them. Uh, but but you know, life's tough.
2: You retired from racing in nineteen ninety-three and became a trainer. Did you enjoy being a trainer and did you have much success?
3: Right. When you leave school. The worst statement anybody can come up to you and said, school was the best days of your life. Absolute <laughs> <Yeah>. cobblers. <clears throat> People used, to, but you know, when I was riding, I used to hate it when old jockeys came and said, Oh, you know, riding's the best days of your life. But you know what? They were right. Riding was the best days. Because you never did a day's work in your life. If somebody said to me, you can go and lie on the beach in Barbados or ride two winners at Newton Abbott. I'd much rather do the adrenaline kick, the adulation you get from doing something like this. There's, there's, and the um, yeah, the adrenaline kick. There's nothing like it. Uh, so when I finish riding and training, yeah, training. I think you put more work into it. There is perhaps a longer satisfaction of having a winner when you're training because you know you've put so much work in. Tra- riding a horse, you know, I ride in the two thirty. It wins. I'm a genius. 3 o'clock, I've got another one. 3.30, I've got another one. So you, by the time you get to the end of the afternoon, the winner at the, at the beginning of the afternoon has gone out of your mind and um, you, you're thinking about the next day it was a trainer. Um, it's one, you've got to take it home, you've got to look after it for the next three weeks before it runs again. So there tends to be a more hands-on thing with a with a, with a trainer than there is, is, is as a rider. But um, no, to, to I would, I would suggest... If you ask any sportsman, the difference between coaching and playing is, you know, playing is just fantastic. And and you know, the reason I gave up, I thought you might say, why did you give up? One of the the reason I gave up is that I knew I was so privileged, and I knew that I had to do something else when I gave up. You know, I was never going to earn enough money from the sport that I could retire. And I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad, you know, I, I never want enough money that you don't have to get up you know um you know every day i you know i, I need to get up i you know i, I laugh to myself what you know i'm 63 what motivates me to get up i sing the, i i, I like the words from bruce springstring uh no no surrender you know and i say singing, uh, um yeah, the lyrics from that when you get gray and old and uh, you know no surrender get up keep going keep battling because there's no you know i remember another man one of the great men sportsmen the road he said to me doesn't matter how many winners you achieve the winners in themselves will not make your life happy and i thought that makes you stupid it's true you've got to have you've got to create a, a happiness is the wrong word but it's consistency around your life um other than the meaning of life is not riding horses but you know it, it, it it's, it's, it's it's a great thrill and, and and you've got to realize you're very privileged to do it
2: your son Tom is a jockey. Do you enjoy watching him race and do you get nervous watching him?
3: Um, yes. It's like I don't know if your parents or your whoever looks after you, um, watches you on the football pitch, ask ask them how they feel. It's it's the same now. He's nearly forty years of age. It's still like watching him on the rugby pitch when I when he was twelve or thirteen playing rugby. I, you know, I don't want him to make a fool of himself, I don't want him to get hurt. Um, and in some ways I don't know Like I, I watched so many mums and dads and I did it live your life again watch st- stood on the f- side of the pit I'm living my life again watching him ride um, and it's funny you know it's more of a deeper answer really is that as you get you know you get old there's another song cuts to, the, cuts to the cradle you know but it was a song about a man who never um has enough time for his children and uh, suddenly so at the end of the song the man says to the son come on let's go and have a drink and the son, the son says oh, I'm a bit busy dad i got to go up and the son all through his life has said I want to be like you dad and then the father suddenly realised the son has grown up like him and hasn't got enough time for him to me I've had, I'm i so lucky every time Tom he's run me this morning talked about his horse racing he'll ring me this evening every time he rides he says dad did you see this did you do this did it? and therefore I'm so privileged that he's given me a connection with him that's um, perhaps you know it, it, I would have to work harder at it in an, in, in another situation. So um, yes, I worry about him every time he goes out, and I also uh, get a tremendous thrill from it.
2: There are a lot more female jockeys in horse racing now, and Rachel Blackmore has been very successful. Do you think that is good for the sport and would you like to see more women being jockeys?
3: Yeah, I think it's one of the proudest things that's happened to our sport. I don't think there's any other sport where a man and a woman can compete um, on equal terms. And, you know, Adam and I come from a different era than you when women weren't given the opportunities. I mean, now you can see the women's football match, women's cricket match on telly, women in rugby. But then... Not so long ago, you, you you couldn't see any of that. And it wasn't given, you know, women's it was pretty much looked down upon. And of course, there's still barriers to, to overcome. Um, but I think it, it it's absolutely fabulous. And it's happening more on the flat than it is jumping, because we took talk, we talked about weight before. Um as human society, you know, as the food chain has got better and better we've got bigger we're bigger as a as a as a, as, a, as a race so less and less men can do the weights that's needed to ride these horses so women can do the race so you look at i don't know if you get a chance adam should do it should get you should get you a, a video there's a thing on holly doyle she's a flat, and i just it's not really it 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 it's a, a side to the fact that it's horse racing. Listen to Holly Doyle speak, her determination, uh, no feeling sorry for us of how she's driven herself to be one of the elite, an elite sportsman. It's, it's, it's fascinating and, and, and um, so inspiring of, of what you can achieve. So I think, yeah, I think we have, you know, you alluded to gambling and stuff. Many, many things in horse racing is, terrible but the fact that men and women can compete on the same level is, is, is fantastic uh, yeah, I could go on all, all afternoon about it fantastic
1: um, you mentioned this earlier um, Peter we actually got a question about it so we'll ask it now and you can go into more detail yeah. okay?
2: we heard that you once played cricket and got the legend Brian Lara out can you tell us how you did that
3: well have you got enough time? <laughs> hmm, sure. <laughs> well, first, and once at um. Sorry, I've got a dog come in. So one, but that's only. I'll tell you about my second greatest achievement. You are to, Adam will remember. I played cricket at Worcester. Yep. But for 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 um. A, Celebrity side against the Coronation Eleven, Coronation Street Eleven, right? It's um, <laughs> a very random match. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Graham Hick was playing for um, Coronation Street. He was the, the star cricketer. I had to bowl at crick- cricket, and now I don't know you. My great, I'm a leg spinner. Not many. No, I, I, uh, Abdul Kadir, can you remember him? Um, yeah, you dude, know, he was. Yeah, he, he, was yeah, one of the, yeah. he was. Yeah, Abdul I, a chain warm, you see all these. I was, I, I modelled myself on on those anyway. I, I, when um, Graham Hick came out the bat, I thought, "Oh, I'm in a bit of trouble here." I thought, "This is these are going to disappear out the out the ground." Anyway, I, I bowled him a googly. My googlies tend to be a bit of air on them, and it floated up into the air, bounced, it took a long time to get to him, and he top-edged it to the slip. And uh, I was so pleased, got him out that. Um, my children are in the uh, dressing room, and they heard Graham say the ball came to him so slowly <laughs> that he couldn't decide what part of the cricket ground to put it to, and it topped it to the slip. So, right, that's that was my, so my second greatest. That was my second, my best achievement. We were was catching Brian Lara out, so it was somewhere down in Sussex. A game playing for this. Um, Celebrity side. And I can't remember why Brian Lyra was playing, but anyway, a chap and he's I follow him on Facebook. He's a musician. I'll Think of his name in a minute. And he um you were too young to remember, he arranged a very, very famous song. Well, a song that Man United, if you see the life of Brian, he this fella arranged um, the song, always looking the bright side of life. And he was bowling at him. And I was right on the boundary, and there was a metal fence, uh, a very old metal fence, not very high, not much higher than my bottom, all the way around this fence. Anyway, Brian Lara um, was, you know, in the end was trying to get out, and anyway, he hoofed one up over to me. I caught it and sat backwards and sat on the fence. <laughs>
2: but
3: really, that's not out, is it? Because um, it's a six because I've touched the boundary, but he walked anyway, Brian. My mate Brian Lara. <laughs> 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 it's a
1: pretty good achievement getting Graham Hick and Brian Lara,
3: <laughs> Well, yeah, but, but it was more by good luck and judgment is going flat. So I'm going to change position and plug my phone in so you can keep talking right far away again. that one. Yeah, no, look, uh, it, all, you can tell I loved, I just enjoy other sports.
0: And stuff. Um, what are your plans for next year, the
1: year ahead? Well, then, so what are your plans for next year and the years ahead?
3: I don't know i suppose but well, you are too young to understand this i'm 63 years of age I suddenly it suddenly hits you that you're 63 and you think to yourself god you know i'm i'm so lucky to to be fairly fit and stuff and i, I lost a lot of weight started riding again and um, so i, I, was, I was sort of determined to keep myself as fit and healthy as I can as long as I'm going to be the healthiest man, the fittest, healthiest man that ever dies.
2: <laughs> I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much, Peter, for taking the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed speaking with you, and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you.
3: Uh, Now, boys, thanks very much indeed. Thank you for the effort and your questions and, and being so kind to me. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck.
1: So, boys, another episode done, so Peter's just gone. So, Tom, after, how do you think that went? It went really well, and I
2: enjoyed... The fact that um, he was also proud of his son as well, Tom, because he's following his father's footsteps.
1: Yeah, so it seems that it's quite a, a generation thing because Peter's dad was a horse racer or a jockey. And obviously Peter was a jockey and his son's a jockey. So it it's, seems like it's in the family and then maybe there might be a long line of more jockeys to come. Avatar, what was your favourite bit of the podcast?
0: Um, my favourite bit, he's tell us to be like, don't gamble like too much and then um, he said you uh, gamble like football cricket would be anything anything like gamble like too much like he's just saying
1: yeah. horse racing is very
0: yeah pop up like 70% off like yeah. yeah brilliant
1: so boys well done again you did a fantastic job of, of interviewing Peter and it seems every week you're both getting a lot more confident and your questions are becoming really good so well done boys and
2: keep up the good work will do thanks thank you so much to everyone who listens to our podcast please could you leave us a review if you listen via apple podcast this takes less than a minute to do but it really helps to grow our podcast and get us noticed so as soon as this episode is finished make sure you leave us that review thank you The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.